This is the Friday, June 10th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. We've got you covered with a variety of action heading into this busy weekend. But like always, we'll get you in and out still in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian in studio of Daily Wager here on the Las Vegas Strip alongside Tyler Fulgham and Joe Fortenbaugh. Fellas, good to be with you as we have an early show today. Um, but we're going to bang out this pod and give out basically the same stuff we're going to talk about on the show. Let's start with the NBA Finals. Tonight, Game 4, Boston has a chance to take commanding three games to one series lead. We've all been on Boston along the way. We, we, we picked the right game for Golden State in Game 2. I'm laying the points. Joe, it was your best bet the other night for Game 3. You're running it back here for Game 4. I am. Yeah, I think the spread should be 5. And that, that, that's where I land. So to see it at 4, I think there's an opportunity here. With Boston, you go back to game three, you look at how well the Warriors played. They got a shooting performance from Steph Curry, 56%. That was better than anything he had done this series. They got a monster night from Klay Thompson, something they desperately needed. They got Boston to have an off night, their worst three-point shooting performance of the entire series. They still lost by 16. They're still on the road. Steph isn't 100%. It's a quick one-day turnaround. I don't like the situation for the Warriors. I think the numbers should be higher. The fact that Boston was laying... Upwards of five against Milwaukee at home, upwards of six and a half against Miami at home, and they're only laying four. Is Golden State that much better than those two Good teams? Point. I don't think so. So I'm going to lay the four tonight. My best bet for game three was Boston in the first half, laying a point and a half, laying two and a half, depending on the time that you got it. I'm going right back to that. Just got to lay two in the first half here for game four. The Golden State Warriors have been just plainly a wretched team on the road this postseason in the first half. Their net rating in eight road games this postseason in the first half is negative 17.7. That means they're being outscored by almost 18 points per 100 possessions. Now, you don't get 100 possessions in one quarter, but you get about a quarter of that. (laughs) So they're being outscored by about four points per quarter. Double that to make it a half. They're being outscored in the first half by about eight points per game on the road. We saw Boston win game one by 12 points. On the road, I think two situational um, elements here help this handicapping. One, the crowd should be just as frenzied in game four as it was in game three, going at Draymond, going at this Golden State team. And then the injury situation for Steph Curry, who I imagine, though I can't verify this, is not 100%, should only make life easier for Boston to guard him and guard the Golden State Warriors if he's hobbled in any way, shape, or form. So I trust the Celtics to jump out to an early lead and use that first half cushion like they did in game three, to get to a Game 4 win. I'm on the same side as you guys. I'm just going to lay the four with the Celtics. I like them as a series price as well at minus 230. I think it's really cheap given that they have home court advantage and they have stuff that that Golden State has no answer to, like the athleticism and and just that potent defense now that Robert Williams even looks healthier than he did at the beginning of the series. I don't trust this Golden State team. This reminds me of the Spurs Heat, Miami's last stand with LeBron. It was a kind of, you know, five-game sweep, if you will, and that's what it feels like. This thing is over in five. Now, I could be wrong. Golden State, you know, look, they've pulled some games out of nowhere over the past. If Clay goes vintage and even Wiggins steps up alongside what's expected to be a great performance from Steph, albeit injured, then that's fine. Then, then we have a series at 2-2. But I just think this is one team that is just superior to the other that needs to take care of the ball on offense, not turn the ball over carelessly, giving Golden State live ball turnovers and transition points. I think Celtics are just too, have too much for the Warriors. In terms of props, I'm going to go back to Clay under and Poole under. Anything jump out to you guys? Jason Tatum, two props, over five and a half assists and then over 12 and a half 
rebounds plus assists. We talked about this in game three. In wins in the postseason, Tatum's averaging about seven assists per game. In losses, he's averaging about four. We projected a Boston win in game three. He dropped nine assists. All right, projecting a win here. Going to go ahead and ride that train as well. Averaging 14 rebounds plus assists per game this series. So I see him having another big effort tonight in that regard. So I play over five and a half assists and then over 12 and a half rebounds plus assists for Jason Tatum. I'm looking at Marcus Smart on the Boston side, fellas. I'm going to play him over 24 and a half points, rebounds, and assists, or par as we like to call it, minus 110. And over two and a half made three-point field goals, that's plus 110 uh, for the price there. Smart has had two good games in this series. Coincidentally, it's the two games that Boston won. Game one and game three. Game two was kind of an outlier. They got blown out. He only played 25 minutes, had about two points, three boards, and a couple assists. But in games one and three, in which Boston won, Smart averaged 21 points, six boards, four and a half assists per game. That's well above 24 and a half if you average that out. That's 32 or 31 and a half, I should say, points, assists, and rebounds. And he made four three-point field goals in one game, made three in the other. He's 7 of 14, 50% with three and a half makes per game and wins this series. I expect Boston to win this series, so I'm expecting Smart to show up and help the way that he has in game one and three, Jason Brown, or Jason Tatum, I should say, and Jalen Brown. Okay, uh, let's look ahead to some weekend stuff. I'll start in the ice. I like Lightning a lot. I was watching the point last night, Levy, Messier, and Chelios, and Chelios was bringing up how just the, the, the Rangers are just tired. There's nothing you can do with fatigue, just given the seven-game series they went. They just don't have that, that, that spark, that pop that you usually do at home. So I think this is uh, this series is over. So I'm I'm heavy on the Lightning uh, tomorrow night. I think you can play another under there as well. It's sitting five and a half. They're juicing it after that Rangers scoring explosion for six goals in Game One. Every game since has played under the total average of about 4.7 goals per game. You look at New York at home versus on the road this postseason. Four goals per game at home, 2.4 on the road. Tampa Bay's been outstanding defensively at home this postseason. Less than two goals per game surrendered. I think it's another low-scoring affair. Yeah, I like the lightning on the puck line just like I did uh, in Game 5. And it worked out the way that I thought it would at Madison Square Garden. They had a late 2-1 lead. Shesterkin gets pulled. They get the empty netter, win by two goals. That was at plus 205 on the road. Obviously, it's a, uh, a, a steeper price on the puck line at home at plus 155. But I see a similar type of game script here. I think it's going to be a late one-goal lead, maybe a two-goal lead. Shesterkin's going to get pulled, and they'll get an empty netter to win by two or three. Tampa Bay has outscored the Rangers 9-2 over the last seven periods. That's the third period of game three. Game four and game five. So 9-2 over the last seven periods. All wins by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are just the better team. I think the Rangers are going to be mentally and physically exhausted from losing that 2-0 series lead and bow out in kind of a whimper uh, in game six down in Tampa. UFC 275 in Singapore on Saturday. Main event, Joe. I like Yuri. I'm laying the juice. As long as he keeps this upright, I think he should be just fine. Uh, you're just going to go with the first name there, huh? Yeah. Prochenko. 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 Trust me. And shout out to John Anik because I went on YouTube and I was watching all of these. I wouldn't say the full fights, just the introduction, mm-hmm. so I'd be able to pronounce it today. <laughs> right. I like uh, that fight going under two and a half rounds. It's minus 170, so you're going to lay a little bit of juice. Prochenko, as I make the joke about you, and then I go ahead and botch it myself. Um, his path to victory is going to be to end this quick. The, the deeper you get into the water with Glover Teixeira, the more he's going to be able to process information, the more he's going to be able to see what you're doing, the more he's going to be able to take advantage of that. And Prohaska's last 18 pro fights, only a couple of which have been in the UFC, only one has made it to the third round. I think this is a short fight. I'd go under two and a half rounds. Again, though, it is minus 170. 
Okay, um, Belmont Stakes as well. Not as much luster because we don't have a triple crown candidate here. Uh, I talked to a couple of horse guys that I really respect, and one was uh, offered a lot more than he, he normally does. And oh. so I was excited about that. And, of course, I'm looking for it right now, and I don't have my notes in front of me. I'll throw a name like out a, there. Yeah, I'll come back. We're, we're on the same horse, so go ahead. Creative minister. Yes. And for similar reasons like you, I talked to someone who knows about this. They said they like creative minister. I said thank you. I then passed it along to the Daily Wager crew and right here on the podcast. I have literally nothing else to offer you other than this person knows horse racing, okay. likes creative So here racing. it is. He's, his speed races, his speed figures have been proved every single race. He had a slight trip in the last race, the Preakness, but he still finished third. There's just a lot to like, um, and he's good pedigree as well. And so 5-1, to 6-1. to one. He's worth a play in a lot of uh, ways. I guess the longest shot then that we offer up here is my Philly nest at 8-1. to one. And, uh, again, here's the uh, handicapping here. Read a Washington Post article that says, <laughs> Nest is the granddaughter of Mr. Prospector, who I'm told his male descendants have won 15 Belmonts since 1990. Ness' maternal grandsire is AP Indy, who at three years old won the Belmont in 1992. Todd Pletcher's a trainer we love, so we have Belmont male Belmont winter winners on both the maternal and fraternal side for this particular filly. And I like a lady on Friday, okay? At 8 to 1 as well, so I'll go with Nest. Not the prospector Will Ferrell character in <laughs> no. Saturday Night Live. Peaches. Peaches. Okay, so that's going to do it for this. Enjoy Nest your weekend, changed. everyone. We may not have another show until after the NBA Finals is over, possibly. Our next show, TV wise, is Tuesday, and the game series could end Monday in game five in San Francisco. So, best of luck this weekend. Enjoy it all. Enjoy all the sports action. We'll see you back here next week. 